welcome to yet another episode of It Was All a Stream. I'm Chris Sachs, hosting alongside my cousin, Neil Carroll. Welcome back, everybody. Another week, ready to roll. A lot of news this week, a lot of stuff. A lot of things going on. We, of course, have The Mandalorian Season 2 premiere. But first, we have to start with a bit of unfortunate news. Actor Sean Connery has passed. He has played a big role in at least myself and and Neil's life. Um, So we wouldn't want to let this podcast pass without us saying a few words and kind of thinking back to his career and, and his impact um, in the movie industry. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So we, we have to interrupt our regularly scheduled program to talk about this. I mean, so Sean Connery, uh, probably the biggest thing to ever come out of um, working class, really working class Scotland. All right. Pre-war, um, not known for producing uh, film stars then. Now you've got a lot of people, Craig Ferguson, you know, other Scottish heroes. Uh, but he, this is the first guy that really makes it big and becomes a movie star, probably the, one of the last old school stars too, from that kind of old Hollywood um, action hero phase. I'm going to skip um, James Bond because I think it's, it's undeniable. He's the best Bond. He defined the role. He started it on screen. I'm going to jump to things like, and I know you'll feel a certain way about this, mm-hmm. the untouchables. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So like, I mean, for me, and I think for you, that was the first place where I, I met Sean outside of James Bond. Right. Absolutely. I think, you know, for us, because we obviously growing up, we very much, we grew up watching movies together for the most part. And um, maybe outside of all the horror movies you were watching with, with your father. (laughs) Uh, So, and our first introduction really was Sean Connery as James Bond. And that's kind of all we knew him as when we first starting, started watching Sean Connery, Sean Connery was just James Bond. Right. And then later on, I know in our rotation regularly was The Untouchables and The Rock specifically. And that's regularly. when Sean Connery kind of went from just being James Bond for us and to being Sean Connery and being all these different great roles. Exactly, yeah, to being like an amazing actor. And people, you know, so he defined cool not just by being you know like the secret agent but this is a man who plays a russian general in the hunt for red october with a scottish accent speaking english okay and and we were all fine with it we're in we're all in because we were always in right that was every role he played exactly there was no it's like he He's a much cooler Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, where he plays like American heroes named Harry with an Austrian accent. Right. No one, nobody wondered why Indiana Jones's father was Scottish. Correct. What happened? What? 
And that, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because maybe that ties, that's a nice way to cap it for the American audience. James Bond is ubiquitous. Everyone in the world knows James Bond. Everyone in the world appreciates Sean Connery for that. But to have the American hero, Indiana Jones, to have his father be James Bond, what a genius move that was. Absolutely. Like how perfect was that? And then, you know, like they intentionally, even though this wasn't the movie uh, Sean Connery was in, in uh, Temple of Doom, they intentionally had Harrison Ford enter the, like the first shot of the movie was him entering a nightclub in a white dinner jacket, very similar to James Bond type, you know, walking into the party and just being the king of everything. So it's a shame, man. I, you know, he hasn't acted, his last movie role was a disappointing one. Like I enjoy everything he's doing in it, but the movie was bad. It was uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Hattie, did you see that? That was, yeah, I saw that. I mean, that was probably his most prominent. Yeah, that was his most prominent role. I, I didn't realize that he hasn't been in anything since 2003. Yeah. That came out in 2003. I'm looking mm. at his IMDb right now. That is literally his last appearance in a film. And you really only get like voice work, I think, in a couple of Scottish Maybe things. Maybe voice work what, in yeah. some documentaries and stuff. But it is 2003 is the last time we see him. Again, he passes away. He's 90 years old. He was 73 mm. in his last role, I believe. And I believe I every be second. very wrong. Yeah. Let's, like, let's go back to, so now, sorry, so that's 2003. Now, 10 years earlier, I think 93, 94, he's in The Rock. So then he's yeah. 67, mm-hmm. okay? 67 in The Rock. I, I buy every minute of The Rock. I recently rewatched it. Um, he, he just carries it perfectly. It's like, obviously, this 63-year-old man would put on a wetsuit and you know, swim the channel and get back to Alcatraz and, and whoop ass on a bunch of mercenaries. He just, it was effortless. It was his, anything he acted in, he just had that charisma, that, that movie star quality of, he would breeze through the role. There was like a secret he had with the camera that we weren't in on. And he just embodied everything perfectly. And, and you know, I don't think he had a bad performance. Definitely had some bad, Films along the way, never had a bad performance. So League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you know, again, they got my money because I love Sean Connery, but that was a, there were, there were a lot of problems with that movie. Zardoz, which you may have heard of, but um, probably aren't familiar with. Zardoz was like a movie from the, I think, late 70s, early 80s, where he just basically runs through, it's like a dystopian future and he's in some kind of mankini outfit through the entire film. And it's insanity. The plot is ridiculous. He's Looney Tunes. That was a big pile of crazy. But again, it's, it's utterly watchable because everything he's doing on screen is utterly watchable. So we, we've lost a major talent. I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to regret it. We've already lived over 15 years without seeing him on screen, but just knowing that we won't ever again is very sad. 
absolutely. But he left behind a lot for us to rewatch and and Good appreciate. And we've got a ton of work, and he's got a lot of uh, influence on, especially in the James Bond series. Yes. I'm sure uh, for our entire future because they're not going to stop making those movies he will always be the main source of inspiration 100 percent. what would be nice is if they dedicate the bond movie coming out to him i'm sure they're going to nice. I'm, I'm sure they'll have something some sort of dedication in oh, memory sure, yeah. of as long as it's not completely edited already and they can't just splice it in but True. i don't think it's been distributed, distributed. at all yeah. so should be should be able to do that that would be a great gesture let's go into exciting happy news happy news hit me and that is mandalorian season two oh, yes. it's finally here <laughs> we watched it yes we did we're thrilled and excited about it pages of notes <laughs> we are going to do a full deep dive into this first episode oh yeah first let me warn you if you have not watched this episode yet either pause and go watch it now or just fast forward ahead to the next part of the episode as always time stamped are all the topics uh, in the description for the podcast we are going to be doing heavy spoilers heavy spoilers we're not sparing any details correct so what i'm going to do as always, like every good student is my source will be the Wikipedia page word and I will go through and read the summary and we'll kind of stop and discuss certain points and let's get into it. So chapter nine, the Marshall, our season two premiere of the Mandalorian Mando has been tasked with returning his charge, baby Yoda to its people, the Jedi. He begins searching for other Mandalorians who he believes can help him find the Jedi and is directed to a rumored Mandalorian operating out of the Tatooine town of Mos Pelgo. So first, let's stop there. We're going to be doing a lot of stopping. So the opening sequence of this episode, we have... Mando with Baby Yoda because he's bringing him around everywhere. Right. Still and a baby. He's talking with a new character uh, at a fight called Gore Koresh, right. who is played by Gore Koresh. John Leguizamo. Who I love dearly. I mean, I did not know this though going in, I didn't look it up on. Yes. on- uh, IMDb. I just definitely went to the show. But Little I love that. fun fact. So Mando is trying to find out where it, the most known, nearest known Mandalorian is, and apparently Gore Koresh does know where he is. And with a little bit of a hassle and and a tussle and some threats. Mando gets the information out of him. How, how do you feel about Mando's tactic that finding other Mandalorians will lead him to 
Baby Yoda's people, the Jedi. I know you alluded to in a couple earlier episodes that the Mandalorians were the ones that people would go to to fight. They've got that skill, yeah. They're like extra, they have like an extra sensory skill where they're able to deal with, you know, people that are force sensitive. I don't necessarily understand how finding more Mandalorians is going to find uh, Yoda's people. Maybe they have some kind of information, but he already was with an entire underground sect of Mandalorians in the previous uh, season. So I like, I'm not following it yet, but let's, let's talk about the obvious. Number one, baby Yoda, still the cutest thing I've ever seen. Of course. Excellent use of him in this, uh, in this episode, but he meets a, he meets up with John Leguizamo's character, a one-eyed um, absin is the uh, species, which we've seen in the cantina scene, call back to A New Hope. Very nice. Yes. I like that he, that they also do a call back to the Gamorians. Those are the pig yes. face creatures that are fighting in the ring. That's Their right. axes are similar to what you would have gotten in a toy had you bought it in the late, uh, early 90s. <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. They're, they're from um, Return of the Jedi. But I don't know what the sport is. I, I guess it's their version of boxing. It's some death sport on some, on, you know, some lawless planet. But I like that they brought him back. That was a nice, it's a nice callback. Again, fan service. It also looked like none of it was CGI. Like everybody was in a suit wearing a mask, which I love. That goes a long way with me, as you know. I like practical effects. So, yeah. All right. So, we're up to date. You want to move to the next section? Let's do it. So, continuing on. Mando arrives at Mos Pelgo, and there he learns that there, in fact, is no Mandalorian in Mos Pelgo, but he's confronted by a marshal, new character, mm-hmm. Cobb Vanth, who wears battle-scarred Mandalorian armor, which was once worn by the bounty hunter Boba Fett. Yes. Cobb Vanth, played by Timothy Oliphant. All right. So we got to stop there. Yes, let's do it. All right. They, I think they did a good job of making that transition quick to being like, is this Boba Fett? That's really thinned out, you know, from years of living on the desert planet after surviving the Sarlacc. But then he sits down and it's immediately, oh, this isn't Boba Fett. He just got the armor. Right. Perfect. Well-paced, keeps everything moving. Um, And it makes you question because now I'm looking at the armor extra close and it's got the telltale dent on the top that Boba Fett had. It's got the orange epaulets, which is on the shoulders, the yellow orange epaulets. So definitely Boba Fett's armor. Timothy Oliphantastic, he's just, he's the best. Anything he does is fun. But this is the third time, fourth, that he's played some kind of uh, lawman figure. Absolutely. He was in The Crazies, which was the movie remake of a 1970s movie where he played a sheriff. He was in uh, Justified, where he played a a kind of a western-y sheriff. He's now in this, playing a marshal, and his most famous role, Deadwood, where he played Sheriff Bullock. So he's kind of, 
he's mastered the. He sticks with what he knows. Yeah, kind of type. Sticks kick. with what he knows. Sticks with what he knows. He's got the walk down. He's ready to roll. What is nice is that the bartender, which mm-hmm. is also a species we've seen before, the name is escaping me, is played by W. Earl Brown, who was the bartender in Deadwood. So it reunites cool. those two characters. Yes. Very cool. I I like how hard just i mean it's so strange because leaving off where we left off you would think that mandalorian would become so much more serial serialized where yeah. it's all about the overarching plot and mystery behind baby yoda and instead right out the gate they just lean hard into full-on western essentially Right. Full-on Western. We're going to a mining town. There's a sheriff. Cobb yep. uh, even walks it when he walks into the bar. You hear like the spur sounds of him nice. walking. He's walking into an empty bar. It's like an abandoned uh, mining town. He's the sheriff. They have a problem that <laughs> that Mando needs to help them fix. The town it's folk. Really, it's this really truly was a Western just in an episode of Mandalorian. Absolutely. But it also shows you that we can make, we can make it through a season where not everything is related to the overall plot. Like the the show is good enough where we're having fun, whatever's going on and they pepper in enough to, to keep you, you know, that's right. So, Cobb explains that he freed his own, his town from the control of the mining collective using his armor, which he bought from Jawas, they make a return, in the desert. The town is now frequently attacked by a crate dragon. Cobb agrees to give Mando his armor back in exchange for helping kill the crate dragon. Mando arranges an agreement between the villagers of the mining town and a local clan of Tusken Raiders to work together to kill the Crate Dragon in exchange for peace between the two groups. So we're getting a lot of stuff here where Jawas make an appearance again. Definitely. Tusken Raiders are back. Tusken Raiders. Banthas. Love the Banthas. Are in. Now we have Crate Dragons and... I did look this up. We've seen the only time we've seen this before is in a new hope. Yes. Where Obi-Wan does a crate dragon call to scare away Tusken Raiders. Right. And we also see the skeleton of one as C-3PO is walking by in Tatooine. Yeah. Which I think everybody's been waiting Along, it's like since then, since 1977, to see whatever that thing was live, to be like, what is this? Let's see a live action version. So that was nice. Yes. Now, what's also interesting too is we get a callback because the the cave that the crate dragon is living in is actually a sarlacc pit, an old sarlacc pit, and the crate dragon evidently ate the sarlacc and then took over its home and you could only draw the connection between the, that Sarlacc and Boba Fett considering 
Boba Fett's armor is in this episode. So they, those two have to connect. I would have liked, um, I would have liked to have seen the wreckage of Jabba's barge from Return of the Jedi around the area. Like, I think it would have been a better use of, uh, they did it perfectly and I didn't miss it. But if you're taking me back to a Sarlacc pit, that would have been awesome to see just, just the blown up remains of the barge and everything else from the wreckage of that day in the distance or in the area and be like, all right, that was the pit. That was the Sarlacc pit. That would have been perfect. Maybe they didn't do it for a reason. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not the specific one. Obviously I think it is. I mean, how could it not be? But you're giving us Sarlacc, you're giving us Crate Dragon, all callbacks to 1977, all callbacks to Return of the Jedi. Um, there's a few others here too, which is nice. We finally get close-ups of Womp Rats, which is great. Yes. Uh, we also get early on when he, when uh, Mando lands at the docking bay, we, you know, we reconnect with the old docking bay manager, fun character. She calls over a droid that moves very slowly, which is also a callback to 77 to a new hope that's red. Well, they called it red, but it's R5 D4. And if you remember before Luke purchases R2D2 and C3PO, he purchases C3PO and a red R2 droid that blows up. It has a bad motivator and it was moving so slow. He says, come on red. And this one, continues to move slow because she has to say, oh, take your time. It's so hard to get good help. And it's the same droid. So that was nice. You know, I appreciate things like that. Appreciate that. They had a lot of things like that. Like they also had um, when they have this plan to, to kill the crate dragon and it's the final stages and Mando kind of has to improvise a little bit and he's trying to get Cobb to leave him and let him do his thing. He, hits Cobb's jetpack so that he mm. flies off similar to how yes. Boba Fett got launched into the Sarlacc pit in the first place. Yes, that was nice. That was a nice pull. Absolutely. So, the group lures the crate dragon, which is ultimately killed by Mando. Right. Mando leaves with Cobb's armor, mm-hmm. with Cobb saying that they hope that they meet again. And as Mando drives away, we see the double sunset and who is watching from a distance but a scarred up Boba Fett. It is perfect. Yes, so Boba Fett, they cast... Um, they cast Tamura Morrison, Tamura Morrison, who played Django Fett in the Clone Wars. Yes, which would make sense because Boba Fett was basically a clone an, of Django Fett, an unaltered clone, so that it would grow at the same pace as a normal child. Correct. Yes. So it, it tracks that the same actor would play Boba, right. and we get our first glimpse. He's a little scarred up and looks a little has been surviving off the land a little bit and and stuff like that probably fending off tuscan raiders and 
living a life of isolation, it seems, after escaping the Sarlacc pit. Where do you think this is going to go from here? Well, all right. So let's take a, let's do a brief rewind. Number one, you, let's go, let's go to Crate Dragon for a second. One, it's amazing. It was awesome. We talked about it. Two, you also see once it's exploded that the sand people are pulling out pearls from it, like almost like a, I'm drawing a blank, um, clams that you'd pull out of a, you know, pearl of a clam, which the, the way they get made is a grain of sand gets inside and irritates the clam. And that's what creates a pearl. That's which it's a sand planet. Same thing. Curious. Look I know, at them being thing. all scientific. You know, it's the nice creators of star Wars. The, uh, it ate the Sarlacc, which we know, but also the other science fiction juggernaut that really only had one film and is now coming out with an, a reboot years later that is akin to Star Wars, started from a book source material, is Dune. Yes. All right. And there was a, a part of the plot of Dune is these major sandworms, these big sandworms. This was a little reminiscent of the Dune sandworm we saw on film. But I just wanted to throw that in there because it's something that people should look at. These two things are, you know, they're related in their science fictioniness. 1977, I think, was pre-Dune film, obviously. And we saw the skeleton of one of these things. But, you know, the seeds are there. And for those who like more cornier movies as well some some vibes of tremors yes as well yes i was thinking that too i was and i was like oh this is all right i get it now i see what's happening i do oh, that's true i'm glad you brought that up yeah definitely so with boba fett making his appearance we're we're now in the last minute of the show correct and i've readied myself to be done with this episode, not knowing anything about Boba Fett. Like they did it in such a way where I was like, okay, you know, that's good enough for me. This episode was good enough for me. And then to throw him in, in the last second, it was just perfect. It was like, okay, I was done with it. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about Boba Fett after all the transactions with Timothy Oliphantastic and, and the Mandalorian. I was like, I'm good to throw him in absolutely perfect to have him be played by the same character actor rather that played Django um, in the prequel trilogies. This was a nice callback to the prequels, which don't get a lot of attention. Uh, and George Lucas is notorious for tweaking his films after the fact, right? Every release, Blu-ray release, the 97 special box set of the VHS, everything. So he went back in and redubbed Boba Fett's lines from the original saga with this actor. Got it. So anybody growing up, you know, now that watches Star Wars and gets the Blu-rays will only hear this actor as that character. And we'll know now the, the transition. So then you move right into Mandalorian. You see this guy. He's not in any of his armor. I don't know where it's going to go. Obviously, he's going to play a part. And maybe he's an Obi-Wan to this, to the Mandalorian. Maybe he becomes like a companion that's weathered and has this knowledge from the, you know, from the empire days and 
he obviously knows Darth Vader well. Like he knew, you know, he, he knew him well enough to, and we've talked about this. I keep mentioning the no disintegrations line. Like they know each other. Right. So he's got some knowledge. He's got some knowledge. And maybe he's the one that's going to inform the Mandalorian where to go next. So we'll, let's end on this. And maybe this is something that we'll do moving forward with the entire season. Mm. My question to you. Yes. Who won the episode? Oh. So this could mean any number of things. It's whatever you constitute as quote unquote winning. But who in your mind won the episode? I mean, The Mandalorian was badass, uh, but it's, uh, Timothy Oliphant was just super watchable and funny, had the right intonations, his reactions to things. It was just spot on. I think like this was definitely his episode. They did a good job. I think he wins the episode. I will say this. He is, he is one point, only one point above a character that had 20 seconds of screen time and no lines. And that's Boba Fett. Because just that visual of him turning and you digesting who this person is and what this means for us. And it's obviously that actor and everything that was perfect. But, but Timothy Oliphant, you know, he won, he won the, he won the episode. How about you? So I'm going to take this in a weird direction, which is, I I think is something that I'm going to do frequently with this, (laughs) with, with this segment. I'm going to go with the Tuscan Raiders. (laughs) <laughs> okay all right reason being it it would be timothy oliphant and his and Cobb, yeah but he does lose his biggest weapon and the reason why he's sheriff in the first place true so the the group in power right now is the tuscan raiders because they basically are just going off a promise that they won't attack the village anymore but who knows so they've got the upper hand there it's a tentative piece they've gotten rid of the nuisance that was the crate dragon for not only the town but it was a nuisance for the raiders themselves sure. that was a big reason why they've showed that they have certain moral and cultural values and are can be reasonable if you can communicate with them um, and can be civil, and they get the pearls at the end. They get the pearls. So they're they're rich now. I mean, overall, just yeah. just a, well, wins I mean, across the board for the Tuscan Raiders. The, the the Tuscan Raiders, but yeah, wins across the board for them. Absolutely. We'll see how long the, the piece lasts. I think we're definitely going to be before the series is over. We're going to be back there visiting these people. Well, you know, Raiders got a raid, you know? Raiders got a raid. Let's throw out two things, though, that I forgot to mention. Um, and now I can only remember one, and that is uh, the speeder that yes. Cobb is on looks strangely familiar. It looks like a piece of a pod racer from the prequels. I believe it is Anakin's pod racer. It does have that look to it. It looks I like bl- a retconned, f- yeah. 
from what it seems like the people were a little on the fence on whether or not it was, but it did have the kind of yellow uh, panels along over the, like the blue cylinder um, engine of one half of Anakin's young Anakin's Anakin's pod pod racer. Without a doubt. Yeah. That, that, that struck me as that's what that was. And I think that was it. I did have something else that'll come back to me, but we can roll on. Well, I'm looking forward to episode two, looking forward to episode two, but let's look back now at a movie that many of you guys may have missed. It did premiere a couple weeks ago now, but we're all caught up. And that is Borat subsequent movie film. (laughs) Yeah, subsequent movie film. Here's the thing. I don't know how we talk about that movie without just having this podcast be rated R because every line and every scene in this movie is <laughs> so offensive and ridiculous and over the top. I mean, it's awesome. I, the movie was great. The movie was great. It was a lot of fun. And it was, it was strangely... Uh, heartwarming, which I did not expect. Right? Yeah, I did not expect it. Absolutely. So, I I don't know about you. I actually went after watching Borat two. I went back a couple Uh days later and rewatched Borat one. Okay. I'm not sure. I had only seen once, and it was a long, long time ago. Probably before I should have even been watching something like that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But. I kind of I felt like I liked this iteration more. And maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but I felt like I mean both were great and both were really funny, but this was a little bit more of a cohesive movie strangely enough whereas Borat 1 just seemed to be a bunch of skits just spliced together yeah. with the pursuit of of Pamela Anderson yes. as the pretend through line of the film, where this, again, it was a bunch of skits that were strung together, but you always had that overarching emotional arc between Borat and his, his daughter. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, this, and that actress, apparently this is like her first film, she did amazing. She was game for everything. She, and so once in a while, you could see on her face some reservation. But she, she dove right through. in. And it was like, it was definitely, I mean, the debutante scene was outrageous. 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 And, and we will not go into. This will, we will not. That was too to gross. It. it was too to, gross. To he, go into. Obviously, you know, because as is Sasha Baron Cohen style, he's going to be almost completely naked at some point in the film or multiple times in the film. I think the two, uh, how do we want to say it? Cabin dwellers that he befriends. Yes. Uh, and, and, and what he puts them through and the fact that they just are game, they're all in, shocking. I thought he was going to get shot 
and to live with them. Like, he had to live in character with them. For several days. For a few days, at least. And then show up at a rally, sing his song, his wildly offensive uh, Taking someone else's song. place. I don't know. It. They played it off like the... The, that had to be orchestrated. I don't know. They played it off like it wasn't. Like he yeah. just snuck onto the stage and did this, which it was a little believable. I the fact that what impressed me so much. Yeah. And again, similar to the first one, but it really did seem like they were just putting this movie together as they went. Yeah. And to have such a coherent storyline despite that and despite what you know that the coronavirus and everything being shut down affected this movie and changed how this was going to go as well because they were shooting stuff before coronavirus and then when coronavirus hit they pivoted uh just it impressed me so much that they were able to have in the chaos of each scene they were still able to know what their ultimate mission was and where they needed to get to by the end and they still had lines like that and kind of spur of the moment um just moments surprisingly well done just surprisingly well done and so we will spoil the end which was genius like so now he he he, so from the previous film, he's now been imprisoned in his mythic version of Kazakhstan. Right. And they now come and get him. He's been released. They're going to send him back because he's been in prison for, for embarrassing Kazakhstan and everything else. And his, everything was a failure. So now they're going to send him back to, to bribe some American official to do whatever it is that they need to do in order to benefit Kazakhstan, subsequent movie film for the make benefit of, of the, you know, Kazakhstan. Uh, what we find out is that he's patient zero for COVID and they send him to different spots in the world, ultimately landing in America. And that's going to be their great revenge. I mean, it was a, it was a very unique concept. It was a very unique concept. Especially considering use. that that twist did not exist prior to them starting this exactly movie. Exactly right. So prior to them starting the movie, it was just going to be, how do we get this bribe and do all this stuff? And it was going to be very Borat 1-esque. Right. Then to take it right to, to this, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it, was, it was a fairly ingenious tool. I think we won't talk about the readjustment scene. Yeah, that's been talked about enough. We'll, like, we'll leave that alone. We get it. Actually, yeah. I weirdly don't think it's been talked. It has been talked about enough because that's something that it seems to have died out quick. Absolutely, be very concerning for people. Visited at least, yeah. and people are just like, eh, not surprised. Meh, yeah. right? Uh, which is scary was- in itself. It's scary in itself, but I'll tell you this, like he was, you know, regardless of what you think early on in the interview is very sweet. Like he was really making efforts to be very sweet. And then when she hands him that insane book, he was like, 
Oh, yeah. Well, that's how kind of you. And puts it to the side. Yeah, but it went from sweet to flirtatious. Oh, it takes... Flirtatious yeah. real quick. It takes quick. a hard turn. And especially by the end, it yeah. took a hard turn. He was ready for something. Anyways. Moving on. Weirdly enough, though, I came here prepared to do a full argument for uh, Maria Bakalova, I believe, is her last name. That's the the actress who played Tutor. Yes. I was going to do a full-on argument that she deserves at least an Oscar nomination Uh, for this role. But that argument apparently already exists and Good. is a thing that people think is going to happen. They think that she's at least getting a nomination for this, if not more. I, let me put it to you this way. I love Marissa Tomei on many levels. I think she's amazing. Okay. I also love My Cousin Vinny, the movie My Cousin Vinny. Marissa Tomei wins an Oscar for my cousin Vinny. If that movie comes out in the same year as this movie and these two actresses are up against each other, the Borat actress does a much better performance than Marissa Tomei. Absolutely. If Marissa Tomei has an Oscar, this actress deserves an Oscar. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, just to act like that on the spot with real people, and this isn't some like punked you know, no, some this is crazy version of punked like you this is a full commitment yes to pretending like you're actually this person in you real life got to have talent to embed yourself to it's method it's method like you know like robert de niro daniel day lewis says oh call me abraham lincoln while we're on set i'm only going to speak in the in the American accent for gangs of New York, because I'm playing the American guy. It's like, enough of you. You've been bested now. You've been bested by this girl from Bolivia or wherever she's from. That is, that's method. Staying in character that long. Absolutely. All right, Neil. What do we got? It's that time of week we got where we roll or troll, we roll or troll with the latest news. Starting off with... Marvel's upcoming Disney Plus series, Moon Knight, is apparently casting Oscar Isaac in its starring role. Are you rolling or trolling with this casting? Or I I guess the series in general, judging from your sigh. Yeah, yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it. I'm good. Uh, I'll tell you what. Here's my thing with Oscar Isaac. I want to be an Oscar Isaac fan. I want to, okay? He's, he's um, Bo, is that, is that his character's po. name? Poe, he's Poe. Bo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, the new, the, you know, it wasn't happening for me. Um, like I wanted to support him. He was trying his best to be this generation's Han Solo. Um, Didn't quite work out. It didn't quite work out, but it was, it was the fault of uh, writing and, and poor storyline creation. No one called me. I was trying to help them all out. And, and that, uh, you know, I could have saved the, the latest 
trilogy in the Star Wars franchise. Um, then I go back to X-Men Apocalypse, where he plays Apocalypse. And that's a film that suffers from poor writing yeah. and poor character creation. So he's kind of twice struck out with me. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to not uh, roll with it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Cause again, it. I, I roll with anything Marvel until they give me something absolutely terrible. Yeah, and but you know Oscar what? Isaac, to... Yes. He's been in some rough stuff. Poe was fine to me his his performance in star wars he's mm. very good in other other things he was uh he was in one of the born movies he was actually very good that was the born without jason born yeah uh, he was good in that he was good in x machine uh, x machina yeah very good in that so he he's can act. He he's good. People really liked him in Inside Lewin Davis, although I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that film. He did mm. a very good job. So I'll I'll will see. I don't really know much about Moon Knight. What it's their that version is, of Batman. I'm down. That's, yeah, it's been likened to Batman. Let's do it. Um, moving on. I'm sure this will be a quick roller troll. Uh, Netflix has announced a live action Assassin's Creed series based Next. off of the popular video game. Negative. So that's a troll? That's a troll. That's a big troll. We don't that is a cave troll. We don't need to watch any more of that. I sat through, I have two young nephews, and I sat through the live action film with I think it was Michael Fassbender. Yes. What a giant pile of crap that movie was i it was unnecessary it was deep in the 3d resurgence that was happening where it's not really 3d they give you like the dark glasses and it just kind of seems you know that was always my opinion if you're giving me 3d something better be hit me in the face you know give me old school uh Friday the 13th 3D or Jaws 3D where something's rolling at me. Um, no, but that movie was hard, painful to watch. Painful to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to troll it too just because I tried playing one of those games one time and oh. I didn't really like it. You want to do a cartoon? We can have a conversation. Live action for this thing, it's enough. More, less of that, more of everything else. Continuing with Netflix news, they have raised the prices for U.S. subscribers. Now the standard plan is raised a dollar from $12.99 to $13.99 per month. The premium plan that allows you to watch in 4K video and up to four device streams at once is going up from $15.99 to $17.99. And the basic plan is going to stay unchanged at $8.99. I'm trolling it because there, this is the beginning of a descent into evil. This is what, this, this is our moment that we all need to remember when it started, okay? The world needs to take note. Like there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on on the planet today, okay? This moment needs to be marked because we all gave up cable. 
because we believed in Netflix, okay? And we were like, enough. I don't need to be tethered to the pole outside my house by some archaic cable line. I can break free and have Wi-Fi and have everything I need streamed directly into my home at a moment's notice and it's affordable and I can have three or four different streaming services and still be paying a fraction of what I was paying for cable. This is where it starts to creep up. And five years from now, when everybody's paying $280 a month for all their stuff because it went up and up and up unchecked and, and no heroes or patriots stood against it, I'm gonna be there to be like, I told you so. I said, this is what's happening. Everybody should rebel. Everybody should rebel. Well, I, I am also trolling because I like to keep my money. I'll just keep it simple. There you go. I'll say this though. I'll throw in a little extra news myself. I was a Roku man. Um, and I recently, because I have like the original Roku, which just stopped. Like you cannot play Hulu on it anymore, apparently. So I had to replace it and I got an Amazon whatever it is. Fire stick. Which I have been sitting all day today. I just installed it and hitting the speak button and just saying things like Sean Connery, uh, Burt Reynolds, and all of the options just arrive. It is, that is the wave of the future. And uh, typing is for peasants. <laughs> Look so. at you embracing some form of technology. I'm getting there. It takes me a couple of years. I get there. Yeah. Carry on, sir. Blumhouse. Yeah. Coming out with a new movie. They just released a trailer for Freaky, yeah. starring Vince Vaughn, where he plays a serial killer who swaps bodies with a teenage girl. And then both yes. have to... Well, now the teenage girl who is now in Vince Vaughn's body needs to figure out a way to get back into her body without people thinking she's the serial killer when it's really the serial killer in her body killing people. It's Freaky Friday, but Blumhouse. Exactly. It's Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday, which I like that they use the, the title Freaky. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, stream it or I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with it because a, I'm, I'm holding out for Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn was really funny early on. We all loved Vince Vaughn. Then we turned on him. Okay. And he, he was kind of hitting, he was banging the drum over and over again. And we needed to hear a different song. And we have, and now I'm ready for Vince Vaughn again. So I think it's going to be good. I think they're going to handle it. Well, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, you know, it'll have jump scares, but it's going to be fun. I like the concept and Blumhouse is doing it right. Like, let's look at a couple Blumhouse uh, joints. You got Us, which was excellent. All right. Uh, they were involved in some of the purges, some of the more recent purges, as well as the Invisible Man redux. They also did a Fantasy Island uh, reboot, the horror reboot. And I think they're doing like, they're the new Hammer Horror films and if you don't know what that is hammer horror was basically the english independent film group 
that made Christopher Lee a star. Christopher Lee played uh, Dracula, and he was basically the first um, major Dracula since Bela Lugosi. He also played, you know, over the years, he played um, a Frankenstein, a version of Frankenstein. Hammer Horror took over all of the original um, monster movies, The Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, Swamp Thing. And Hammer Horror, 20 years later, 40 years later, did versions of that and made them famous again. Slightly lower budget, made them famous again. So Christopher Lee, you'd all recognize him uh, as Count Dooku from Star Wars. The guy who played his Van Helsing also played Grand Moff Tarkin in the 1977 Star Wars. Why am I blanking on his name? It'll come back to me at some point. But I think Blumhouse is now fitting that mold where they, we need a independent horror franchise group that's going to revisit some of our favorite things and make them awesome. So I'm, I'm rolling with it. Sweet. I am going to weirdly enough roll with it too because i like vince vaughn yeah, and i think vaughn. this will be a funny character for him to play we we got teenage girl jack black in the jumanji movies i think teenage girl vince vaughn will be equal, equally Excellent. as funny continuing with new trailers that came out this week michael bay has produced a movie called songbird which is about the current pandemic extending for four more years where everyone has to live in a dystopian future of isolation and scary government power and things of that nature yeah. are you rolling or trolling with this you know i think i'm going to troll it for a couple of reasons one let's talk about michael bay michael bay Armageddon, The Rock. We talked about The Rock earlier. Michael Bay had something to do with Bad Boys. But I have gotten off the Michael Bay train after the Transformers just endless Transformers. And it's I can't have it anymore. The, the Mark Wahlbergs, you know, I think I got a Transformer. And just enough. It was horrifying. It got to the point where it was like, first, Shia LaBeouf does not need a movie career, number one. Number oh, two. Don't no, do don't like that. don't you do Shia like that. Don't do Shia like that. My God. Go ahead. Hit me with a Shia, Shia. What's his most genius thing? Well, you should watch. Uh, his did he not two- almost destroy Indiana Jones? Well, yes, he did, but that was doing thing commercial movies that he didn't mm-hmm. want to really do. Right, now so that ahead. he's moved past it, yeah, uh, you have his two most recent films, Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey Boy, which he wrote and directed himself, mm-hmm. which was based on his own upbringing and his uh, his relationship with his father, where he actually plays the repre- representation of his father in the film. Uh, right. Both got great reviews. Were, uh, I, I think watch. he's a very, very, very good actor. He obviously in life has made mistakes, but very it strange. seems like he's turned his life around mm-hmm. and being famous at a very early age did not do him good at all. But I think he's an awesome actor. He's 
crazy committed, like too committed. He's to crazy. Where he was in a recent film where he plays a, a Latin American gangster and he got all of the tattoos. Yeah, this is not, that's what I'm talking about. Which that's crazy, but that's I, not like method. that was, that's that was crazy. But yeah. I will say he does he the tooth do, out of his head for fury and like put in the right situation. He does really good work. So I'll, uh, I anyways, will watch that's one, my defensive I'll, shot. I might tune into honey boy and check it out before I render a further scathing review of Shia, but moving on Michael Bay making this movie. A, I think it's a little too soon. I think it's too soon. B, uh, I get where he's coming from, like from the trailer. There's all the talk of like, oh, they're going to be, you know, putting people into the camps because they're sick. Um, I'm turning in my neighbor because I think they've got a fever. It's like all of the worst possible scenarios. But we've seen it before all throughout film history whether it's The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand, which basically the world's wiped out by a disease. It's basically the movie he's making. The world's wiped out by a disease and the survivors have to find a way to rebuild civilization and defeat some mystical force. We've seen it in uh, the, I mentioned it earlier, Timothy Fantastic, The Creeps, first in the 70s, then again in the early aughts, where a town is struck by um, some kind of radiation that turns everybody into zombies, into nutballs, and the government comes in and rounds everybody up and pretends like they're going to save them and really, spoiler alert, wipes everybody out, you know, because you can't trust the, the government in these films, in these scenarios. So I'm trolling it. We don't need it. Don't need it. Yeah. Uh, again, keeping my rolling or trolling simple, I am going to troll it because it's way too soon. This is just too soon. There, too we don't soon. need a t- pandemic movie about Correct. the current pandemic that we're currently in. <laughs> so, and we, and by the way, if you wanna, if you wanna watch a movie about the pandemic we're in, watch Outbreak from ninety like eight. Outbreak, Hoffman, yeah. Contagion, Contagion. D- there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. What do we got? Did you know? that there is an upcoming live action Tom and Jerry movie that got delayed to March of 2021. I did not find this out until I saw the headline about them getting a float in the 2020 Macy's Thanksgiving day parade specifically for the promotion of the live action movie. Rolling or trolling? Rolling. Rolling hard. Interesting. I'm a Tom and Jerry fan from way back. And if we're going to do something live action, I would love to see. This is going to be the Lion King of, of this year. It is. Gosh. Because I'd love to see how they turn these animals into live creatures and have them do all the wacky things that they do. I would much rather see live action version of this than Assassin's Creed. I'm rolling. Okay, I, I'm rolling with it, too. Why not? I'm only rolling with... I was going to probably neither roll or troll, but because you're rolling with oh. it, I'm going to roll with it because yeah. I'm shocked that you're rolling with it. I'm ready. I'm ready. So some more good news. All right. Paul Rudd, apparently nicest man on the planet, 
was handing out cookies to early voters waiting in line in the rain over the weekend. Rolling or trolling with the sheer kindness of Paul Rudd and those early voters getting out there in the rain and doing their duty. Their thing, their civic duty. I'm rolling because of the voting nature of it all. Whoever you're voting for, you have to vote. Um, I mean, and that's not a controversial statement. I think, you know, you just have to do it, whoever you vote for. But I'm going to tentatively roll with this because given that it was Halloween, I recently watched Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, in which a uh, cult is formed around Michael Myers himself. The movie's horrible. Um, It's almost unwatchable. And on my, on my website, glued to the screen, I wrote uh, a little article about it. And I did the rankings of all the Halloween movies. This one ranked, um, I believe, at the bottom. But Paul Rudd makes an appearance as basically the hero of the film or the main character of the oh. film. And has not aged a day. We've talked about this before. I believe he's drinking the blood of unicorns or siphoning the essence of the youth from people. So I'm very careful about my Paul Rudd these days because he's awesome. He's kind. He's sweet. He's funny. He can be serious. He's, it's too much. I think we're going to find out that he's like a time traveler or something something crazy is going to come out about him so in other words regardless of how you felt about it you need to say something nice just in case he's just in case he's pure evil and is watching everything all the time yes i want to say something i'm gonna roll with it because i just think he's a good guy who has you know favorable genes i guess lastly we will end (laughs) on my favorite bit of news from the week what do we got that i'm sure you're gonna love your boy Kanye West Kanye gave his wife Kim Kardashian for her birthday a hologram of her deceased father do we have holograms now oh yeah you don't remember hologram Tupac from like a few years ago where he did a concert I don't let's let's oh yeah hologram Tupac did a concert I'm gonna keep this simple I'm going to keep it simple because I don't want to add anything to their celebrity. I don't want to be responsible. I don't for... think we need to worry about that. We're, oh. We have no influence. I, <laughs> I, I, it, it, it must stop. People must stop caring. I still don't know what they're famous for. And I've lived in the world for many years. I, don't, I have no idea. I understand that there are several Kardashians. I know the, the father at one point was part of uh, the OJ case and was a lawyer and had some kind of skill that he went to school for, crafted a skill and used a skill, good or bad, used a skill, made money from it. Then he had children and now we all have to talk about them once a week and give them money. And I don't know why, I don't know why. So it, it infuriates me, I've had enough, I think, uh, the only other person from history that I think was a celebrity just for the sake of being a celebrity was a person called Jaja Gabor that people can look up. I won't do a deep dive, but essentially 
like was just a celebrity for the sake of being a celebrity. And these people, the Kardashians have made that a thing and it's horrible and it gets worse with time. And Kanye, is he the stable genius? Is that what he said? Or he's one of like, he's a, he's a, he's insane. Enough of him. Like he says things that I don't understand. You know, throughout history, I I think you could say that all the the real geniuses that we had were a little bit crazy, wouldn't you say? There you go. I, right? Is this what you're going to defend? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm roll. I I am trolling. You got to troll. I'm, it. I'm trolling. Uh, I'm trolling it for a weirder reason because I actually don't think hologram technology should exist. Let people. That's where stay you draw dead. the line. It's, not a, it's too it's it's you're okay with cloning creepy. cloning it's too sheep creepy and spitting no in a tube no like i'm DNA not cool. listen if we're gonna get into good. specifics whatever but i'm just saying like from you know from this standpoint hologram technology is just weird and it let people like rest you don't need to bring back their fake well, you're not essence you know it's their fake essence. It's not like you're waking them up from the grave and being. I'm out. Doing I'm out. Recording. I'm out on it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. I'm. I'm. I'm going to reserve judgment out. on holograms. We can talk about that another time. Creeps me out. I'm, I'm, I will never support Kanye for the simple fact that I, you know, on YouTube I did a deep dive one day and I came across um, that thing where he jumped on stage and totally embarrassed. What's her face? Yeah. Well, yes. Kanye has legitimate mental issues. Diagnosed. Diagnosed mental issues, bipolar disorder, whatever. He goes on these tirades. He does these things. I, I am a fan of Kanye's music. However, the it's tough to tell who to place blame on because yes, he's doing these things, but he is ill as well. And it's very clear and we're not speaking mm-hmm. poorly of him. This is stuff that if is known, like he's problem. ill. Right. And the, the real issues that I have with, aside from the things that certain things mm-hmm. he says and, and stuff, stances he takes and stuff like that is, are the, his circle and the people around him not taking care of him and instead yes. taking advantage Enablers, of exactly all right. that's happening with him. And that's exactly right. If there, if there are issues there, then, then there's reasons. This is a real thing. I get it. And we're not speaking ill of that, but you're looking for blame. The public stop supporting that behavior and make him realize there's a problem there. So I'm, I'm trolling. I'm out. I'm out. Let's move on to some more craziness. Oh, God. We're past rolling and trolling. What do we got? We watched some crazy movies. Yeah, we did. This past week. Very good. In our suggested for yous. Mm. Neil, I suggested Parasite for you. Your last bit of, it wasn't quite Halloween. It was as close as I was going to get to sticking with that Halloween theme uh, to have you watch something that you hadn't watched yet. Not a horror movie by any stretch, but creepy and yeah, weird. Definitely. And weird enough to perfectly to in meet the, vein. the mood. Yeah. And you suggested for me mm. Child's Play. 
I did. AKA the Chucky movie, because I didn't even know that was called Child's Play. I thought thought it was always called Chucky. Chucky, (laughs) So I watched that. Which do you want to talk about first? I'm going to talk about uh, Parasite first. Okay, let's do it. Because this was an interesting choice for, for you to give me. It was definitely like, all right, so A, set in Korea. Correct. B, completely in a foreign language. Uh, you had to watch it with subtitles. Correct. Um, and C, definitely has a message. So it's a horror movie. And like most horror movies, they're, they're, there's an underlying thing that they're trying to point out. That's the bad rap horror movies get. It's always, if they're done right, there are horror movies from, from history that are giving you a message about something. Like yeah. even, you know, Night of the Living Dead and, and movies like that, there's a message. So this, I think, fell perfectly in the vein. I liked it. I'm giving it a thumbs up. I like the movie. Um, you, you get into it and it becomes like where it's the, the subtitles don't bother you. You just get used to it. You yep. almost understand what's happening without it. Like you're almost able to pick up what's going on and react quickly. Um, long story short, and again, spoilers, there, it's a play on roles in society. It's a play on Correct. the rich, the poor, and the like, essentially the uber poor. So you're introduced to this family that's living in squalor, and you think that that is the worst it could get because of everything they're going through. They develop this plan to ingratiate themselves and become part of this um, rich family on different levels, be their driver, be their housekeeper, be their everything else. So that family now goes away, the rich family living in a beautiful home. And the poor family moves in for the weekend or whatever it's going to be. And they're, they're basically tormenting these people and making them think they're nuts and doing various craziness. But they're all in the house. And then some rando shows up the Gains. twist it's actually it's the the nanny who they got fired originally yes. so that the the mother could take over correct so the, and that's the thing they orchestrate the destruction of other people's lives in order to move in yes. the entire family working for this this rich, this family. rich family and and get them all paid and and moving up the ladder so that woman the the original nanny gains entry to the house goes downstairs and opens a heretofore unknown passageway that even the owners of the house didn't know about, we believe. And it living in the bunker beneath the house that's been hidden for, and I love this, in case the, the, the um, Koreans attack, in case there's a nuclear war, there was a bunker built. Right that these people didn't know about, her husband's living down there and has been living down there because of creditors that are after him and they're gonna, and loan sharks and everything else. So this is the uber uh, poor family that is, there's even a third level that we didn't even know about. And the group that has destroyed their lives and moved in further destroys them. Like does everything they can to keep the status quo, to stay in these rich people's lives. And even though they know how bad life is, they have no sympathy, right? 
Yeah. Like they have no sympathy for this poor, poor family and what they have to do to survive. So that nanny was running food down to her husband and living in the house and doing all this stuff unbeknownst to the, to the rich family. And now, I mean, it was just, it was stunning. It was really, really interesting. And the fact yeah. that there was no empathy or understanding or caring at any level. And I hope some of the scenes in there aren't depictions of real life in that region because it was yeah. horrifying. I, I mean, it, it really is interesting to look at it, at it from that lens where it's like the the whichever level you're on so if you mm-hmm. right now we're talking about three levels right yeah. so there's the the rich family there's the family that takes over and then there's the the poorest of the family so if you're in that middle level you're looking for the empathy from the level above you but you're Which not, is not giving any off. to anyone yes. below you and each tier step up doesn't give any empathy to the, to tier the tiers behind behind them now what i also really loved about this movie and i i did a little reading up just i I didn't rewatch the movie but i was reading some things about it just to refresh it in my mind Mm -hmm. and a really cool take uh, there was this youtube video where it was basically saying and, and it was a really good point where this was really two movies that was morphed into one where you have the the first half of the movie is movie one where it's about the family taking over the the rich people's home and lives and and being the the parasites they're living i mean that's it's a spot on name it's really on the nose with it because they're literally the parasites and then the second half of the movie is the big twist where you learn oh my gosh there's someone else who's already there's already a parasite existing parasite yes there's already an existing parasite who's worse off than the other parasite that just moved in. And of course they're going to duke it out, right? Because right. they want, they don't want to share the host. And, they want to be the exactly. only ones leeching on. And there's a moment, there's a scene where the new parasite, the new group is literally keeping the old one down where the, the original nanny is running up the stairs to basically reveal herself. And then this new woman kicks her down the stairs in a brief, uncaring, swift motion. It wasn't like, pow, and I'm going to kick it down. Just kind of nudges her down and moves on with her life and serves dinner, literally keeping them down. Right. I, it, was, it was an excellent film. There, there, excellent there film. is, they do a really excellent job with the um, imagery as well and the themes with, uh, the other thing I was reading about was staircases. Yes. It's a big, big thing in this movie because it always shows, it always represents where they're at status-wise. So right. if they're walking up the steps with the, the rich family, they are elevating in their status. They are, they are rising. And then when they're going down the steps and you see the imagery of them going down steps, that's when they're falling down and coming back to earth and their status is lowering. Absolutely. Very, very brilliant film. Bong Joon-ho won all the awards for this. Deservingly so, I feel. Probably should have been at least some sort of recognition for the actors in this movie. Yeah. which were all yeah. excellent and all did a great job. Um, but obviously one best picture 
um i'm i'm really glad you enjoyed it i thought it was a i did a wild wild movie one that i really had to think about uh after i first watched it but uh, as it kind of marinated a little bit and i thought more about it the more and more i liked it yeah definitely it was and it was a good choice for me too because it was outside my wheelhouse but it was something i enjoyed watching there you go so let's move to the more loving and family-friendly child's play. Is it? Is it? It's more, definitely more loving than this movie that you had me watch. Child's Play. Child's yes. Play. This one was kind of what I expected, but also not. Okay. Um, what were your thoughts? Very, very. I didn't really. I thought it was going to be completely ridiculous and something that didn't take itself seriously. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's where the franchise went with later movies. But this was a movie. It's very, very eighties eighties. Did this come out in the eighties? Had to late eighties, early nineties, very eighties, very, um, it very much took itself seriously even though it's an absurd concept and there are some genuinely laugh out loud moments absolutely in this film and i don't think they were intentional but that's kind of okay yeah there's nothing wrong with that um i i thought it was fine like i you know it was a fun watch i it was a little me just being me like there was things like oh they're gonna do this to this kid oh this poor kid uh, essentially it was like oh the poor kid yeah. is gonna get blamed for the murders it, spoilers but you know but there's, there's by murders. now people know that we spoil all the movies yeah. we talk about if you, you gotta watch along with us or, from or the 80s. Shame on you. so the the premise of the movie is there's this He's not necessarily a serial killer. They kind of vacillate between he's a serial killer and he's just like he was with a crew. Mm. I, I don't know which. I, I'm guessing he was a serial he killer. He becomes like a serial killer. Yeah, he d- like eventually himself, yeah. does become one. So like he's caught by the cops, by the the, the guy who plays uh, Humperdinck in... Chris Sarandon. Yes. Yes. Princess interesting... Bride role for him i can't really see him as anything other than humperdinck and he was right. trying to be like a serious new york city cop uh how'd you feel about that did that go over did that land it didn't really him? land didn't, with right? me that well the yeah. accent i is he american or is he english do we even no, know i think he's i think he's american i think chris Sarandon. Oh, okay it i felt like he was doing an accent interesting that's what it came across as Maybe he is American and he was just doing the like a city accent, just you know, for the sake of it. In his attempt, but he I, also has horror movie chops because he was the vampire in Fright Night, nineteen eighty five. Interesting, interesting. Which came out prior to Child's Play. So I, yeah. So the premise is he's got Chucky cornered, the real life Chucky, not the doll, cornered in a toy store, and then all of a sudden he does this voodoo chant 
and lightning strikes the store and he he's dying because he's been shot and he transfers his soul into a, 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 a I forget what they're called. Good guy doll. A good guy doll. And so then of course he's sold to a single mother oh, yes. with one child and she gives the child the Chucky doll as a birthday present. And it doesn't do too much killing in this movie, which was interesting. It right. really only kills three people. That's the thing. Which isn't yeah. a high body count for a horror movie. It kills the babysitter. Has to go. R.I.P. Yeah, she's got to go. Kills one of his partners that I guess betrayed him. Betrayed and then him. kills the... Uh, the the voodoo teacher, right? The guy so, that taught him the voodoo, isn't it? I mean, first voodoo. When was the last time you were engaged in any film voodoo related? That's 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 fair. I feel like there's a, funny enough. There's a James Bond film with voodoo involved. There is indeed. There is indeed. Um, James Bond film. It's escaping me which one it is. Live and let die. Live and let die. There you Bunch go. More. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that hasn't been in my life for a while. Uh, you know, it it was fine. It there were some really really funny moments. The when he first reveals himself to yeah. the mom, and then basically like attacks and like flips out on her was right. hysterical. Oh, um, and there, can you imagine the actor having to act that out? I know, I know, it was, it was crazy. I I like how she figures out that her son's been telling the truth because the batteries are in it. That's a very like, you know, that's kind of a very classic trope doing a little bit. Um, I, there were some things, the, the entire scene at the, Oh, I guess there was a, there were four. We got to add the doctor from the psychiatric hospital right. for the, the children's psychiatric hospital. Um, he gets got, but gets that, got. that, that portion of the movie didn't really land for me because it's the dead of winter mm-hmm. and Chucky's trying to infiltrate the hospital. Right. And there are bars on all the windows, but there aren't any windows. I don't know but if you noticed like, this. It's just open. It's right? completely open. There, are, There's literally no well, window. There's no glass. There are only bars throughout yeah. the entire, every window of this hospital. Listen, man. It and is, it's, it's the dead. It's, it's winter. It's snowing it's out. Well They're known. all wearing. The government was not funding these, these and, organizations and well. The, everyone inside of the building are just chilling like the heat's on and it's all closed up. And that, that lost if, me a little bit so i mean it was convenient for them because it was exactly. an easy way for chucky to get if, into the building but if it was you are ridiculous. if that's if you're gonna draw the line at there was no glass in the window i'm not drawing the line it's just an observation to life through voodoo we've made a mistake i'm not drawing okay. the line right. it's just that an observation i made okay. i right. will follow the movie logic <laughs> As long as it makes sense within the, the realm of the movie. Here's something else. You talked about the battery scene. Like, that's how she discovers it? Yes. So, and we remember having 
like toys that had batteries in it that would you had like eight phrases it would say but i don't know if that plays today and they did do a reboot of the movie i don't know if that plays today because now everything's like you plug it in and it just charges that's true and it's it's funny too because uh it made me think about how I mean, obviously they were unlucky in the fact that their doll was possessed, but how lucky they would have been when batteries actually came with the toy. Yeah. It was always the worst when right. you had to purchase your batteries oh, separately. That is 100% always right. the worst. Um, <laughs> That's that was, point. that made me, uh, that, you know, kind of made me think of that. Um, there was another point I was going to get to. Uh, the end was interesting because I know there's multiple iterations coming from this mm-hmm. original film, but Chucky dies at the end of this movie. Hard. Yeah, I guess I'm curious how does Chucky come back in the next film? Well, more voodoo. They don't really explain it. They they lean heavy on the voodoo in voodoo. the Chucky franchise. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the voodoo and voodoo, all kind of weird stuff. Um, but so, let me, all right, let me ask, let me ask a couple questions. So number one, you're not a horror person. We've not. discovered this. I'm not. Um, you were gracious enough to support my horror movie choices for you in the month of October. Absolutely. And of course. You watched them all. And, and it was basically a series of classics. It was Halloween, it was Friday the 15th, you know, a series of classics. Is Child's Play the type of horror movie you can sit through? That is, that's interesting because I did get various iterations of different levels of horror movie Yeah, where you had the absolute extreme with Friday the 13th that very much was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Chucky, I think, falls a little bit. It's a little bit more moderate. Where right. it's okay. it's ridiculous, but it's not. I mean, it's over the top, but it's not in the sense yeah. that you're not just getting this person's dead, this person's dead, this person's right. dead. There's actually a a plot that you can follow along that kind of makes sense as to why things are happening the way mm-hmm. that they're happening, right. like okay, Chucky has possessed this doll, but the longer that he's in the body, he will become more human as the doll. So he needs to possess the kid in order to be human again. And like that made sense. At least you had something. Yeah, you had a reasonable storyline. And then you have the next level of Halloween where it's just, I'm going to do this at the highest possible level. Yeah. Like at the highest possible skill level. Um, So I would say for me, like I don't mind having watched Chucky. Like Chucky was fine. You know, I I watched it. I enjoy, I don't know if I'd ever see it again. Um, Friday the the 13th was not for me. I think I have an easier time, like a genre that I can watch when it's incredibly just, dumb and ridiculous and everyone kind of knows it's bad but it's good like the are more like action films yeah that's i, I follow me. you there 
where, where I feel like Friday the 13th and a lot of horror like can fall into that category. And if you're a horror fan, that's great. But if you're not a horror fan, then you're, you're not going to be into it. So yeah. I would say for me, like I like the horror movies that are just really at, at the core of it, really good movies. And obviously that means something different to each person, but right. just in general, they are at the core you of it. Like there's a, a really story, great like... story. There's a really great twist. Yeah. There's really great characters, um, things like that. So I really like, I, I like, I enjoyed Halloween. I really like us. I like get out. I like um, silence of the lambs is weirdly. I, I love that movie weirdly. And that's a legitimately terrifying movie. That's um, the thing. You enjoy, like, I was shocked because you really love Us. You really love Get Out. You really love Science of the Lambs. So, you know, I, but you're explaining it well. Like, you like a story. You, you're almost I a do. thriller person. I like a story, and I very much like a th- uh, horror movies that are more on the thriller side of things than they are on the slasher side of things. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's where I stand on on my take with horror i enjoyed i also enjoyed just like exploring it like okay let's try something new let's see how i feel about this stuff i like you know uh, just know you know me like i just enjoy movies and watching stuff and like being ridiculous and texting you as i'm freaking out about what's going on while i'm watching it and stuff like that so that in itself too makes it enjoy you know i'll always regardless of what i'm watching i'm gonna find a way to enjoy it in one weird way or another and then have an opinion on it um but yeah i think that's where i stand i'm i'm very much I can do horror movies by all accounts. I can, but I do feel like as far as quality wise, you know, things that are delve into thriller more than slasher. I think that's kind of where my scale is. Okay. I like it. I like it, sir. So what do you got for me this, this week? All right. Well, we're now past, Yes, the hardest. The Halloween season. Entering Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. So let's do a little something different. We're going to do something lighter, I think, definitely. Get you out of the horror mood. And given that we are, you know, Going into the Thanksgiving season, it's about family, friendship. Indeed. There's Friendsgiving, Friendsgiving, things like that. Oh, I. I am going to suggest a television show for you. Interesting. About a group of friends that are their own family. And it's something I've suggested to you for a while. And I'm excited that I'm finally going to be able to get you to watch it. Okay. It's called Happy Endings. Yeah. You have talked about this. It stars Damon Wayne Jr., Ooh. Alicia Cuthbert. Hello. Adam Pally, who we've mentioned on the pod. He had his cameo from The Mandalorian. That's right. Um, a bunch of other great 
actors and actresses. Eliza Coop, she's very funny. What is um, the source? Where am I going to watch it? So this is on Hulu. Hulu. The premise is basically that they're a group of friends and two of them are getting married to each other. And there's a runaway bride situation where they're at the altar and she runs away. And now what happens to the group of friends now that that huge disaster has happened. And it definitely moves on from there and moves past it, but it's a very, very funny show. Short-lived, only went three seasons, but should have gone for far more. Um, And it's just, it's hysterical. Like, there's great gags, um, great bits that they do. I think you'll enjoy it. I need a new show. Like I, I'm doing some rewatching of some old stuff. I, I'm still on my Arrowverse rewatch. I'm doing a Buffy uh, universe rewatch, um, including you know Angel. Uh, and I'm coming to the end of a lot of things. Come to the came to the end of a lot of other new shows that I started. So I need a new one, and I'm ready for this. I hope it's as good as you say because I need to. Uh, I need a new show. All right. I'm ready. For you, sir. I have, uh, I have a plethora of choices. Oh. And I, I have some questions that will help me decide. Okay. Um, I, I have also chosen Thanksgiving-themed films. Okay. Family and friends. Uh, some with a heart, like where it's tugging at your heartstrings. Okay. And it's a... It's like a true film that you'll probably, again, I think I, I mentioned this in the past one week. I was like, this is something you can definitely watch with your wife where it's like, this is a movie with actors, real actors in it and you know, drama all right. and all that. Um, but I have to ask you your feelings. So number one, do you want something actiony that has Boba Fett in it in a rare appearance outside of the Star Wars films, but it's going to cost you three ninety nine. Okay. Or do you want a funny spoof of a movie that happens to have Thanksgiving in the background of it while of the craziness that's happening? And you may have seen it, but we can talk about it. Or... Would you like a heartfelt, real film that has many famous actors in it and will give you feelings? Like you're going to watch it and you're going to say, oh, that's, you know, hmm, interesting. I'm going to feel things. Yeah. Which direction Uh, do you want to go in? So I am going to, I'm going to pass on the rental. Okay. Because we'll we'll try to stream this one. We'll try to make sure that everyone the can other stream two along with us. Are streaming are streamable. Um so let's go with the second one. And if I have already seen it, then we can go on to the, the feelings one. I feel like you may have seen it, especially in your youth or as a Ute. Have you seen the Adams Family Values, the sequel to The Adams Family. 
I have not seen either. You've not seen either Adam's Family movie? I don't believe I have, no. All right, I will say this. You don't need to watch the first one in order to watch the second one. Okay. So, Adam's fa- and it's obviously it's not a horror film. I kind of like how this transitions, though. Yeah, right. This is a nice transition movie where we still have the connection to Halloween, obviously, but we're. I take my work seriously, sir. Yeah. Okay. I I Mm -hmm. show up ready. So I kind of feel like you lucked into it, but I feel like you. We'll give it to you. We're giving it to you. It's a glorious film. Um, I want to double check. So. Adam's Family Values uh, is streamable. Wait, I want to get the... Is that on Netflix? Well, that's the thing. So it's on... uh, Let's confirm. So in our Netflix account here, Adam's Family... It's on Prime Video. Oh, but you got to rent it. No, it's... um... Double check, click it. Uh, no, it's included with subscription. Is so, it? Yep. Oh, with your subscription? Yeah, Amazon Prime. It's on I, Amazon Prime. I have Prime too. I didn't think it was there. Well, regardless, at least enjoy that's what that. Decider is telling me. So that's what Decider is telling you. So that is what I feel you should watch. It's a lot of fun. So let's let's go down the the list. Raul Julia, hilarious mm-hmm. as Gomez Adams. We've got cameo appearance from Nathan Lane. Awesome. Early, early Nathan Lane, 90s. Yes. We've got Angelica Houston of mm-hmm. the Witches fame and various other things playing yes, yes. Morticia. We've got the ever-talented Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future, playing Uncle Fester. Christina Ricci as um, the daughter and an appearance from Joan Cusack. Oh. Always strange weird. and wonderful. Yes. So you will enjoy this film. It's a fun romp. It's a quick romp. You'll enjoy it. Awesome. Sounds good. I'm in. All right. I'm in. All right. That is that. <clears throat> so that's what we're going to do. And I don't think... I don't believe there are any real big releases coming up this week uh, coming to streaming. Obviously, we will continue with The Mandalorian. We've got episode two coming out on Friday that we're going to discuss in full. And then we'll see if anything comes up that is worth watching. We will obviously discuss. We'll probably bring in some more rolling or trolling and then maybe we'll do bring back uh stream it skip it or add it to the watch list for any november streaming releases we will just go over the trailers and stuff like that and then i'm gonna watch adam's family values and neil you're gonna watch happy endings yes indeed and We'll discuss those and give our, our thoughts and opinions on those. I was curious, what was the third option? Are you saving it? Well, I think I'm going to save it for next week because it's, a, it's just really good. Okay. It's out, of the, it's out of the ordinary too. It's like, it's one of those things where 
it, it, it must have just been someone's pet project that landed without fanfare and it's a blast from the past. Really good movie. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on It Was All a Stream. As always, you can find us anywhere you can stream podcasts, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the above. Please, if you like what you're hearing, leave a review. Positive reviews are very much appreciated and will help us get some more listeners because right now we've got like 10 of you, but we appreciate the 10 of you that exist. That's pretty crazy. And with that being said, you can also find us on Neil's website, glued to the screen.com. That's glued the number two, the screen.com. And until next time, Neil, what do you got to say to the people? Stream on everybody. See you next time.